Welcome to another edition of the Advent edition, or Advent calendar edition of the Coot Street Podcast, something that Jonathan Strawn and I cooked up when we were thinking about uh, books of the year that we're recommending at the end of the year. And one of the books I'm recommending is Embertide by our guest today, Liz Williams. Thanks for joining us, Liz. Always a pleasure, Gary. Thank you for having me. Well, it was a pleasure for me to read the third novel in the Fallow mm-hmm. series, uh, Fallow Sisters series. And rather than try to describe it, uh, I'll let you describe it because it was uh, certainly a delight for me to read. Yeah, um, well, it's about um, cities and the countryside and land rights and trespass um, and the spring and the tides of the land and um, women behaving really badly. <laughs> I think that kind of sums it up. It's, it's, it, that's very accurate. One of the things that's striking about, well, going back to comet weather, we should mention the first two novels, and you've had... Mm. One out each year now for the last two. That's years. right. Yes, but it's um, it's it's very deeply magical rural English magic with very contemporary fashion designers and actors and DJs as as characters, and that that balance has always fascinated me. And I think you and I have talked before about how uh, other writers that I like, such as Graham Joyce, have done the same kind of yes uh, magical thing. Yeah, I mean, it's great, a huge admirer of Graham's work and uh, a huge admirer of Graham, actually. He's sadly missed. I know, it's, it's, it's terrible. But, yeah, great loss. Uh, the, the, the sense of, of, of history peeling itself back, there was one scene which haunts me uh, in Embertide when, I forget which one of the characters, is in St. Paul's and she watches it regress around her. It's Stella, yes, and she does. Stella, and she's just watching this great cathedral fade into the past, fade into a Roman temple, fade into a pre-Roman thing, all in this one location, which yes. is it's part of the magic of, of England in general, I suppose, is that it's such a polemsis. But, but that scene yeah. really brought it together. Well, it, it is. And it's, it's, uh, London is such an ancient city. And um, the places that, are, uh, that I use in London are real places. They're real pubs. They're real churches, obviously. Uh, but you know, when they would, um, when they excavate London, they find the fire line left by Boudicca and her revolt. She raised the city to the ground, set it on fire, and that is still recorded in the history of the bricks under London, of the earth under London, and all of this stuff. You know, a lot of the the, the Roman remains of London are still there, and the Mithraeum that appears in Blackthorn Winter—that's a real place. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of all there for the using, really. Um, you know, the pub I drink in is is 700 years old, and that's like not not considered to be particularly remarkable around here. That's, that's kind of like a normal, you know, normal pub. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, when you think about it, yes, it is it is peeling back the layers, and it's the layers of the landscape as well. You know, the hedges. Um, there are some really ancient hedges, which sounds like a really stupid thing to say, um, but um, you know, some of these these the hedgerows and the field patterns in this country have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. So well, I was uh, yeah. years ago. I was being taken on a tour of Exmoor by Brian and Margaret Aldous, and right. interestingly enough, he talked about the hedges. He would say, yes. "This hedge, you will not believe this hedge is eleven hundred years old or something." Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and I can completely see why he did that because, um, you know, it is ancient, and there are medieval field patterns. A lot of it has changed, uh, but this is an intensely worked and managed landscape. And two fields, two or three fields, actually, from where I'm sitting. Um, 6,000 years ago, um, there were people living in the Avalon marshes. There was a glass bead factory that's thousands of years old, um, not very far from me. 
And obviously this wouldn't, you know, it's not an industrial thing. This would have been on the edge of the shoreline near some huts. Uh, but the beads that they made have been found in South Wales and throughout the Southwest. So these are quite big operations, you know, and incredibly old. So I like to walk the land and I think of everybody who's been there before me because it's thousands of uh, years of people and inhabitation. I think that sense comes across in your fiction. Good. But let's go on to the to, to, to the questions we have. One is, what have you been reading? What have I been reading? Um, I've been reading a lot of stuff on the Aztecs recently for no good really? reason. Yeah, for no good reason, except that I felt like I didn't know enough about them. I'd always been kind of interested. So I've been reading up the stuff on the Aztecs, which has been a little bit bloodthirsty for me, I have to say. Um, but really quite interesting stuff. I've been reading a book on courtiers, uh, modern courtiers, not um, you know the sort of who are attached to the, the royal family. And um, let me see, what else have I been reading? Um, a couple of um, pieces of light detector fiction, uh, which I've been enjoying. And um, not much fiction at the moment. I'm going to get back to that as we wind into the Christmas season. Well, that brings us to the third question, which is uh, an optional one. Is there a seasonal story or book that's a favorite of yours? I was going to say Christmas book, but not necessarily a Christmas book. Just what is appropriate? What would you recommend for someone to read during this kind of season? Okay, well, the one that I always do read, and I know there was a big effort by the nature writer Robert McFarlane to encourage people to do so round about Christmas, is Susan Cooper's The Dark is Rising. Uh, because Excellent. that to me is the quintessential um, solstice Christmas novel. And I make a point of reading that every year. And that's part of my, definitely part of my seasonal reading. And um, yeah, I think that's that's the, sort of the must. And that, that definitely influences Blackthorn Winter. Oh, God, I, mean, I, I could see that. Uh, is your sense the same as a couple of other people I've talked to, that the subsequent novels aren't quite as powerful as The Darkest Rising? Um, no, I think um, Oversee and Understone, which is the first one, that reads much more like a, a classic children's book. And then it changed with um, The Darkest Rising. And then the next novels, um, including The Grey King, which I find really distressing. You know, it's a very upsetting book um, for me because of what happens in it. I think those are equally powerful, actually, but in a completely different way. And oh, okay. I, think, um, I think definitely that, um, that structure of um you know winter spring summer has has stayed with me with the fallow novels she doesn't quite follow it um but um for sure um silver on the tree is set in the summer and um green witch is is set in in the spring the sort of late spring i think so yeah those those do really kind of stick with me from a seasonal point of view well that implies speaking of seasonal books that implies that we can expect another fallow sisters novel to complete the seasons you certainly can. Yes, it is called Salt on the Midnight Fire. Um, it is with Ian Waits at the moment. Um, Ian is looking at um, Neil Asher and Ian Watson, who must take precedence before me, I have to say, because they're both fantastic writers. And then, then he's going to get on to, um, so a quick plug for those guys, and then he's going to get on to um, Salt on the Midnight Fire, which is set in the summer and mainly takes place in London and Cornwall. So it's kind of the fellows go to the seaside, a bit like Enid Blyton, really, only hopefully not quite like Enid Blyton. <laughs> Well, that will complete the, uh, what I think is, is, is a delightful series. So the next question is, what can we expect from Liz Williams after the Fallow Sisters have... Well, um, I can reveal that you can expect Fallow Sister 5, actually, uh, because there is going to be oh, another really? book. Because I haven't got, I've got too many ideas and nowhere to put them. And so um, Ian has very kindly but informally agreed to publish a fifth novel, which is going to be across the course of a whole year, not a season. Ah, so it's, okay. going to, it's going to end up as a quintet. I didn't plan it that way, but I've just got too much material. 
And uh, okay, that was yeah. my next question. Was when you started way back with Comet Weather, uh, did you did you know at that point that there were going to be four novels? Yes, I did. Yeah, I knew there were going to be four, um, but I didn't know that there were going to be five. So um, I have written some of it, and I have to say that large chunks of Salt on the Midnight Fire had to be taken out uh, with great wailing and gnashing of teeth, and they are going into the um, the fifth book because that's where they fit better. So it is going to be a particular kind of matter of Britain novel, but we'll see how it shapes up. And I'm also writing a nonfiction book as well. Oh, yeah, we we have not uh, mentioned your nonfiction, but uh, but yeah, yeah, as a scholar of uh, well, scholar of witchcraft, I guess for one thing, or yeah, I, I guess so, an informal scholar definitely. It's not my my um, academic background, but um, yeah, I, I'm doing another book for Reaction Books in London, and that is going to be on. Uh, folk customs and shame and transgression and uh, and breaking the law, which um, I nearly said were all subjects dear to my heart, but actually that's not quite true. I'm quite law-abiding, really. But I like the trespassing. That's uh, Some of the trespassing stuff in Embertide is definitely going to make a reappearance in that book, and um, that's quite interesting stuff, actually. Yeah, there, there is also an undercurrent of horror in these books, which I think is Maybe part of this tradition going back to Arthur Mackin, and but yes, but, yeah, Mackin's a big influence on me, and I would say it's it's folk horror, um, and it is very light. Nobody is going to come across anything terrifically gory in these books, and I don't think that's no, um, that's no. any spoilers. I, I, they're really not that kind of thing. They're supposed to be feel good, and I want people, uh, maybe with a slight edge of the sinister, but I want people to just read them and enjoy them. Um, you know, they're not they're not going to be a a read. Um, full of characters who have had a lot of trauma. Let's put it that way. They kind of breeze through life, and I'm happy with that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're certainly all likable but flawed characters, and uh, and and it's it's interesting to... We could go on for longer than we should about the family dynamic at work between the sisters and the mostly absent mother and... Yes, um, and, and the yes neighbors, Alice, but, Alice is a good example of somebody who's just decided to go and do her own thing, really. Um, and exactly. She gets a little bit over her head um but not too much and it's not based on any family i i know there is actually having said that there are a family of sisters down here i don't know them but they are relatively famous one is a fashion designer and i'd better not name them because uh-huh. they don't they don't know that they've been put into this, this book actually and we're going to dinner tomorrow night with somebody who does appear in blackthorn winter and uh, i had to tell him when he moved to glastonbury from london that i'd actually put him in a book and he's the guy he's he's actually the guy who used to run crossbone cemetery and the rituals at Crossbones. Oh, okay. um, he took it very well, and thank God he likes the books, which could have been monumentally embarrassing. Um, but um, yeah, he's a fantastic bloke and a, and a great ritual magician in his own right. Um, so uh, that's that's been a good connection. Uh, but he has been put in detective novels that he didn't like, so I'm quite pleased that he actually likes this series. Few. That would be nerve-wracking, I think, to, to have yeah. to deal with your characters confronting you about what you did with them. Well, absolutely. Yes, he's only got a very small part. I might give him a bigger part in the fifth book, but I think I'd better ask him first, just in case. I kind of like to keep my friends, you know. But, <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. Well, and we're at the we're about at our uh, end point. Okay. So, is there any last minute thoughts you have? Uh, uh, well, I think I'd just like to um, wish all your listeners a happy holidays, basically, and whatever form the, and, the Yule, Solstice, Christmas, Kwanzaa, whatever season takes you. Um, I hope you all have a fantastic time. And you too, Gary, of course. Ah, Thank you. And same to you. Thank you, Liz Williams. Thank you.